few years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome in to this week's episode of the It's Utah's World Podcast. Tom Hank, alongside Steve Butter with you as always. Anyway, Subaru is our sponsor. We love and appreciate him. Check him out, please. 1207 South Main Street in Salt Lake City. They're after your car, man. The uh, used car market is a bustling right now. If you've got a Subaru and you're thinking maybe you could cash in on it, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll be happy to help you out. So um, please head on down. Tell them we sent you. They'll take extra care of you. And um, there really isn't like a more enjoyable car buying experience in the market, if you ask me. And uh, I know they're paying for uh, for us to mention them, but I'm being dead serious. I've been down there a bunch. I know. Uh, I know the employees very well at this point, and um, and they're awesome. They really are. They make they make your life easier. So do yourself a favor more than anything and head on down if you're in the car buying market. Uh, this week on the show, we uh, we want to talk uh, about the spring game as that's coming up this this weekend in just a few days' time, actually. And, and while while recapping kind of the, the last week's work of Utah football spring practice, they did hold a scrimmage last weekend a few days ago. Now, Carl Whittingham commented on that. And, of course, Steve Bartle, check him out, by the way, at Bartle 247 on the Twitter machine. He's been up on the hill a ton ever since they've opened up uh, – some media viewing for spring practice. Steve, how how good has that been, man? Have you just loved it? Oh, dude, it's been so nice. It's been, like, you know, it's only 20 minutes, but still, it's just nice. It's nice to watch football. It's been great to be back up there. And so, you know, you get to see things. You get to see players do things, and it's springtime, so it's great. We're not. Yeah. We're definitely not complaining about it. What do they, what do they show you? Do they... Um... Yeah, did oh, you get man. any first team stuff? Yeah, no. So that's like that's been the surprising thing about this, right? Like once they announced that we were going to be able to watch spring ball, like we were like, okay, we're gonna watch some conditioning, some gassers, we're gonna watch the specialists and all that. But we've actually gotten a lot of eleven on eleven work. Oh wow! Um, we've gotten some red zone work. We've gotten some tempo action. Um, it's been, we've gotten a lot of, we got a good look at the ones we've got to see cam rising, Jalen Glover, the defense, you know, it's been, you know, in those 20 minutes, they, it, they've made it worth it, you know, for all of us. So it's been, it's been really cool to be up there and, and get a look at a lot of these guys. Oh man. I mean, that's 
Well done to uh, to you. Dream football. come true, baby. Yeah, that's awesome. Look, I I applaud him honestly. I um I I feel like I'm I'm reasonably fair. I I like to give credit when credit is due. And if I feel the need to criticize, I'm not opposed. You know, I think it's all constructive. At the end of the day, I love them, and I hope they know that. Um, but no, that's 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 amazing that they've been able to kind of open the doors uh, to yeah. yourself and and all the other media representatives that that, that cover this team. Um, I saw a piece uh, from Michelle Bodkin, who we need to have on the show at some point, yeah. who was recently hired by KSL Sports as the um, the new Utah football insider, or Utah insider as in general. She covers gymnastics and, and a handful yeah. of other things. But Cam Rising spoke on his, his calm demeanor uh, recently, Steve, uh, post-practice in a press conference. And he credited his brother, his older brother, who, uh, if I'm not mistaken, played at Arizona State. I think he was an offensive lineman, but don't quote me on that. So he clearly comes from a very athletic family. Um, And he is a calm presence. You know, upon reflection, I I saw that piece come out. And then I started thinking about him as a player and his demeanor on the field. And and I have to believe at, at this point, Steve, that 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 is that is a benefit to the Utah football program and the team as a whole to have a leader like him always come across so so calm and poised despite how chaotic the the environment may be around him. Is that I assume that's obviously been the case this spring as well? No, absolutely. I think Cam has such a, a, a good grasp of just you know being cool. <laughs> like I don't know how else to explain it other than he is just always the coolest dude in the room. Um, you know, when we asked him about what it was like to um, to be back, be back surrounded by a bunch of guys and what that meant for the offense, he summed it up essentially by saying, you know, our job is still just to score points. Like, that's it. Like, that's our job is just to score points. And so, you know, he, he goes about his business just – with a simple mind, right? Like he has such a, a good understanding of the game of the offense, um, but he just goes about it so simply, so effortlessly. And I think that that's carried into you know, as we've transitioned into this NIL world and everything. Like he still maintains that calm, that cool about him, despite everything that's coming, f- f- that's come. F- you know, to him with these opportunities, with these NIL opportunities, you know, he's got Les Olsen, he's got uh, the, the Bountiful, Toyota, Toyota Bountiful, whatever that is, you know, he's got to deal with them. And yet he's still just the cool dude in the room, right? Like you would never, you would never know if you talk to him last August to now, like he is still just the same guy. So it's really cool. He's maintained that level headedness and, you know, it, growing up in the family that he did with an older brother like Tyson, who I've had the opportunity to talk with over the last couple of years. Um, It's certainly a competitive family to say the least. So it's, it's cool, you know, that Utah has a guy like Cam leading the way for Utah. Steve, I think, um, I think I speak on behalf of most of the fan base um, or at least most people I speak to um, avid fans of the program um, and the university they, they they're waiting oh so patiently to to be a to be this perfectly balanced offensive unit um, 
and I, I, I'll be perfectly honest, and I tell people this um, when I speak to them about it. I, I don't know if we'll ever see it under Kyle Winningham. I just don't think it's in his DNA. I think, and and that's and that's okay, by the way, because they they went to the Rose Bowl last year, and and there are expectations that they will return this year, maybe even improve on last year's. Uh, historic season. So so it's not like Utah's losing football games. They're winning more often than not uh, at a very high clip for that matter. But but do you think this year we see growth in, in the passing game? They haven't added a ton of talent at the wide receiver group, but, but the, they have this quarterback that's so poised and calm and can throw such a pretty ball and it seems easy to catch for a lot of these guys. Is is there a chance we see improvement there? Or do you think it's going to be much of the same under Carl Winningham? Run first, especially with Tavion Thomas. Jalen Glover's making noise now. So that only kind of adds to uh, the chance that we see more run attack from Utah. What, what, what's your thoughts on all of that? You know, I think when you look back at the history of Andy Ludwig, you know, and this is important, I, I do think that there's reason to be optimistic that the offense is going to open up a little bit. And the thing about, you know, this Utah offense, like it's, it's balanced. It, when you're, <laughs> when you're winning in the way that Utah has, you end up controlling the clock at the end of the game. That's going to shift some of the numbers towards the run. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of confidence in cam. There's a lot of trust in cam. This is now, what year 2019 2020 21 so year three entering year four under andy ludwig for cameron rising with one year under his belt um when you go back and you look at his history with quarterbacks going back to you know vanderbilt in 2018 he had a group an offense that was the best offense one of the best offenses in Vanderbilt program history. And it was led by quarterback, and I'm pulling it up, so I apologize. Uh, That's not it. Kyle Shermer, right? So Kyle Shermer, and you just look at his history over the years. He went from, he started playing football for Vanderbilt 2015, was a freshman, only attempted 100 passes. 2016, he takes over as the starter, 375 passing attempts. 2017, 380 passing attempts. 2018, 406 passing attempts. 240 yards per game, which increased from uh, 185 years, 185 yards that first year in 2016. So there's this track record most recently at Vanderbilt, but you go back to his time here at Utah previously where he had Brian Johnson, right? And you look at what, what the offense looked like then. There was a lot of trust in Brian Johnson. So I, I think... Uh, I think that they, there's trust there. There's a belief in Cam and his decision making, and so I, I do think that we'll see an offense that, you know, maybe is a little bit more prolific through the air. I still think that they maintain the balance that they did last year, right? When you've got a running game like like they do, that's always going to be your calling card, and that's not a bad thing. That's how a lot of good football teams win. Um, but I do think that there will be more opportunity for Cam Rising to, you know, there will be more on his plate. And I think that's kind of the, the exciting thing about this offense. He's proven to be a good decision maker. And I think that 
you know, we'll see the passing game open up a little bit this year. It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be a complete shift in, in, in mindset and that kind of thing, what we're seeing spread offense and putting up 45 points and a half. It's not going to be like that. Maybe it is. I don't know, but I, you know, Utah's going to continue to be who they are, but I do think that we'll see a little bit more on Cam Rising's shoulders this year. Yeah, Look, and, 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 and here's the bottom line for me. If we take a step back from all of this, I mean, the grand picture as, as a fan, which, which, which I am now um, of this team, I, I, I want to see him win. First and foremost, I want to yeah. see him win. I think I can, I think I speak on behalf again of most of the fans out there. They want to see Utah football win. Now, then we go into the, the, the discussion. How, how, how do they win? You know, are they going to win in style, style points? How much do they matter? You know, is it going to be exciting? Are they, are they going to put up 60 points every week? Or are they going to be, be be more ground and pound and kind of slowly and methodically wear down defenses, which is what they've done over the, the course of really Carl Whittingham's Pac-12 existence? Um, and I think you just, at the end of the day, and this is what I credit Andy Ludwig for is maybe more than anyone, he, he plays to his strengths. He understands the personnel he has. Look, Utah in 2022, Steve, and we spoke about this last week, they're expected to have a really good offensive line again. They lost a couple of key figures, Bam Oliseni and Nick Ford in particular, but the guys that are coming in uh, have, have all played, and assuming they, they, they develop throughout the spring and gain chemistry into the, into full camp, they should theoretically be quite good right out of the gate in 2022. And when you've got Tavion Thomas and now you've got Jalen Glover to, uh, to accompany him, I mean, that is an incredibly talented backfield that you have to respect uh, and you simply have to feed them the football. And the bottom line is this for me. Solomon Enos is a very talented wide receiver, but he hasn't had a breakout season yet. He's been consistent and he's been reliable, but he hasn't yet shown that he can be a 1,000, not even 1,000, a 750-yard pass catcher. The same can be said for Devon Bellet. The same can be said for Jalen Dixon. Now, I do think the conversation changes ever so slightly when we start talking about this tight end group, because those two in Brad Keithy and Dalton Kincaid, their game changes for me. I mean, they're, they're two of the best tight ends um, in the conference and arguably in the entire country. So there is certainly advantages inside at that tight end position from a, from a pass catching point of view, but everybody on the outside, Steve, look, and again, I, I, I like to think I'm fair um, to me as talented as they are and, and as good a high school career as they had, they're just yet to show that sort of ability on the college scene. And so until they do that, why would you start trying to play uh, like Ohio State does? It just does not make sense. So for Utah fans, expect, expect a lot of throws to be made, but just also expect a lot of running to be had as well. Cam Rising can run the football, Tavion Thomas and... Jalen Glover, obviously very, very good too. So with all that said, Steve, do you have anybody that you've seen in spring? Devon Vele, Solomon Enos, even maybe Jalen Dixon, although he plays more of a slot role. Who, who is it on the outside? Parks, Money Parks is also uh, a speedster. Who, who is it for you? If you had to put your, your name on one of these wide receivers, 
to lead the team in catches in 2022? Who is it that you, if you were a betting man, uh, you would put your money on? Uh, the answer is Devon Vele. Um, <laughs> the uh, man. You think he, that's like pretty, like a pretty black and white answer? Like it, it's pretty clear cut. You make it sound that way. It was pretty, at least you know, from what we've saw on Saturday, from what we've heard all camp long, and even before that. Devon Vele has taken a step forward in his in his game, and I think the big thing for him he's he's got the size, he's got the athleticism, like he is a phenomenal athlete. I think the thing for him that he always lacked, and this is this is something that you know, I'd be curious to talk to you know a lot of college athletes about how of how many of them you know truly believe that they belong on this stage, right? Like I think that was something that Devon Vele, you know, he walked on. I think he had to go through a season like he did, 23 catches, 390 yards, caught a touchdown. I think he needed that to truly believe in his ability, and he did that. And I think, you know, we talked to Coach Bumpfist last week. I asked him what the biggest difference was in Devon Bailey this year compared to last, and he said confidence. And so I, I think it's it's sunk in with Devon that he is a playmaker at this level. It's wild to me that he wasn't much of a recruited athlete, you know, a few years ago when he was coming out of high school. He played in Southern California, which, you know, they don't lack for exposure down there. There's a lot of opportunity out there, but he went completely under the radar. And that's to Utah's benefit. He's come here and he's a, a great fit in terms of not only at the position, but the program, the culture, what they try to embody. And so I've what we saw on Saturday was it was remarkable, dude. Like it was, <laughs> I, like we watched him and Cam just put on a show. Cam gave him a, a number of opportunities. You know the chemistry between those two was very evident. We saw you know opportunities for Devon to go up over the top of cornerbacks and, and defenders to make high point catches. We saw some back shoulder. We saw a couple back shoulder throws, which I think that above all else illustrates the chemistry between the two. And we saw him make a diving catch on a 45 something yard post route. And it's just, you, we saw these play after play after play from him on Saturday. And so, you know, obviously that has to carry into the summer and into the fall. But right now, based on what we saw, based on all that we've heard, like the the safe bet, the smart bet is to put all your money on Devon Vele being that guy to emerge on the outside. And really, he's exactly the type of receiver that they need to emerge. They need a guy that can be that big play threat on the outside, a guy that can you know stretch the defense a little bit. He's not a, a Jalen Dixon running a 4-4-4-3, four, 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 but he's a 4-5-4-4 four, four, four guy. Um, and he can go up over the top of defenders to make those those catches, which you know, that's tough to defend. So uh, he's he's the guy to put the money on for sure. Oh, it's exciting. Well, I mean, look, four five four four guy at six foot five inches. I mean, goodness gracious, yes. Yeah. Like you touched on this a little bit. You said you know he made a diving catch on a forty five yard odd post route. Was he running like a large array of, 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 of routes, posts and, and fades? Was he running slants? Like was it was it yeah. all deep stuff or was it like intermediates? It was everything. Yeah, so he caught caught like a, a ten yard slant, a dig, um where it, you know, 
it was 12, 15 yard dig. He caught a slant route. Uh, so we're seeing that. And I think that's an important thing to bring up is like, he is more than just a vertical threat, right? Right. He's just running, he's just running the nine route. Like he's more than that. He showed that he can run, you know, a multitude of routes to be effective. And I think, you know, looking at what he caught last year, it was pretty surprising. So he was targeted 45 times and all 45 of those came between 10 and 19 and 20 yards or deeper. So he caught nothing. He wasn't targeted 10 yards or shorter, wasn't targeted behind the line of scrimmage. It was all intermediate and deep stuff. And so I think that's kind of a a key point is for Devon, he's got to show that he can create that separation on those short timing routes as well. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing for him moving forward this offseason. I'm sure it's something that we'll see and but he was definitely able he showed, you know, he ran a few routes and so we we saw that from him on Saturday. Yeah. I I I haven't been able to catch um, a ton of spring um sadly, but um but obviously from last year, you know, if I I'm, I'm trying to think like if I'm Devon Verley, who who would I try and base my game off that's that's also come through Utah. Like I I guess the Maybe it's obvious, maybe it's not, but but Tim Patrick comes to mind. And I know Tim didn't have like a a great college career. He's obviously excelled in the NFL. He just doesn't drop passes. So he's a a hard player to cut. But, you know, similar size. uh, They run in similar manners and uh, and they're also incredibly athletic. So it'd be interesting to see if if Devon... You know, kind of bases his game around Tim Patrick. I, I have to believe he would have gone back and and watched some of the tape from from Timmy P, who who was really good, by the way, in college. I, I don't know if oh, I yeah. gave him enough credit, but he has been better in the NFL. I think is that fair? Yeah, no, absolutely. He was seven hundred yards, five touchdowns, and he missed a lot of time. Like he missed a handful of games too. So yeah. I think you know if you're Devon Vailey, that's a great great player to try to strive to be. I do think that Tim was a little bit longer, right? Like I, I feel yeah. like he just had these incredibly long arms. And so maybe, you know, maybe that's not the same, but I think that's a great comp for Vele is, is a Tim Patrick. And I think that should be the goal in terms of his production. You know, if he can get above 500 yards pushing six, I think that that's a great season for Devon. Hey, we um, we spoke last week at Nauseam about the linebacking group as well being kind of the, the the big talking point on the defensive side of the ball. What 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 happened last uh, scrimmage a couple of days ago? Has there been any talk or movement uh, surrounding the linebacking call? I think what we're seeing is you know Lander Barton, Kareni Reed, kind of taking control of the uh, the linebacker room. You know, in terms of the starting jobs, right. we'll have the opportunity to talk to Colton Swan at practice today on Thursday, um, and and gain some some greater insight from him. This will be our first opportunity to talk to Colton Swan. But I think what we saw on Saturday, we saw Lander, we saw Kareni working together, and so the thing with that, you've got those two that have worked together almost exclusively um, this spring, but Muamud. Diabate is going to factor into this. Right. He's a guy that Utah is certainly excited about. The nice thing about Diabate is the versatility that he possesses. You know, you can use him as a pass rusher, as an edge guy, um, where he can complement Lander and Kareni as well. So a lot of versatility in that room. But I think what we've seen is we've seen, you know, those two guys kind of separate themselves. Uh, and I think that that's super exciting. 
Yeah. So, uh, Steve, when, when is Diabate meant to arrive? Is it is it in the summer? So he's here. He's here. He just he just can't go. He's got he's got oh. something holding him out. So he's he's just not cleared to play. Um, I think Morgan Scally mentioned it's like a shoulder or something. So gotcha. he's here. He's learning. We have oh, the opportunity good. to to chat with him early on in camp, and really, really, really uh, impressed by him. You know, he's a smart kid, way smarter than me. <laughs> like super impressive. I would love like. When you talk about guys that you would love to go to dinner with and just chat, like I would love, that would be like Muhammad Diabate was the- is that guy for me now. Like it was a guy like Muhammad Ali, but now it's Muhammad Diabate for sure for me. <laughs> well, that's exciting, and it's really good news that he's here um, because obviously he's in he's in the film room. He's he's, yeah. he's got the playbook and um, and he's developing as a as a player at Utah football. All right, so spring game this Saturday. Weather's meant to be poor. Like, yeah. yeah, last I checked, and let me have a quick look now. We're recording this on Thursday, so we're just a few days out. Yeah, look, there's rain tomorrow and Saturday, uh, Friday and Saturday. Tomorrow's meant to be worse, but Saturday is meant to be colder. By What I mean by worse is 90% chance on Friday of rain and uh, just a 70% Ooh. chance on, on Saturday, which is good. We have our Utah Football Alumni Golf Tournament tomorrow, um, which will be, yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> because I think it's going to be wet, but uh, that that's okay, man. We love, it's just water. It's not going to kill us. Um, <laughs> but what are you expecting, Steve? I mean, so I, here's my thought. Here's my, th- I, I'm conflicted. I, I must confess. Okay. Okay. Because <clears throat> I think the spring game, <laughs> I just don't think – I think it's a waste of time, Steve. So here, here's what I think. I don't disagree entirely. It, just, it should just be a scrimmage is, is, is my point. Is, and, and get the fans to rise circles, invite them to one scrimmage in the spring, you know, raise money for a charity, charge five bucks a ticket, whatever you want to do. Um, and and give them like a script, like something meaningful. Because to me, and I, I I feel like I say this every year, whether it's on radio or on a podcast. But the defense is in you know a basic cover two. They don't move from it. The offense knows exactly, and it gives a, a an opportunity to some of these younger kids to play in front of I don't know ten thousand people, which is cool and it's kind of exciting. But at the same time, it it really is quite a pointless experiment. I mean, put it this way. So we, as players, and I punted, I get it. I, we didn't watch much film. But, like, the film, you don't watch film on the spring game. Right. Nobody does. Like, quarterbacks, yes. nobody. Offensive linemen, you, I don't even know if the coaches even bother turning that thing on. So, so it's tell just, you what. We watched a lot of Charlie Brewer last year. A lot of them clips. Them Charlie oh, Brewer everybody watched a lot of those. Uh, <laughs> And everybody was raving about his passing ability. <laughs> Steve, we, we like made, four months made that later, mistake last year. Yep. Four months later, he, he couldn't hit the Pacific Ocean if he was standing uh. on Newport Beach. <laughs> I mean, cut, that's, I just. Yep. So BYU did some, kind of a cool thing. And I know you don't know, like, oh, you're bringing BYU up, you dickhead, you bloody fan of the Cougars. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> but they did kind of a cool thing. It's like they, they, got, they got alumni there. And I don't, I'm not, look, I'm not. I'm not advocating Utah does the same thing because I'm an alumni. I wouldn't even play in the game. But, but I mean, like, that, that to me, 
felt more meaningful than what has been considered standard over the however many years I've been around this place. So well, what's your thoughts? If, if, if you're being true to yourself, Steve, and fair, would you, would you prefer to see alumni? Would you prefer to see just like a scrimmage? Because I'm leaning well, towards a scrimmage. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I would love to see what we saw last Saturday. I would love to see that again. Like, yeah, I would love to see a scrimmage. They do. They have done an alumni flag game like an hour before the, the, the red and white game. So I know that they have that. So if, if that's what you're, you know, if that's what you want to see, like show up an hour early, you know, when the weather is even probably a little worse. But they Steve, do do that. It's Utah. People don't show up early to things, first and foremost. And second <laughs> of all, the, there's no publicity behind it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no marketing. Utah football yeah. doesn't advocate for come <laughs> check out the alumni flag. Like, that doesn't. I, I just think what BYU did, they, they made it this big old deal. And again, look, and, and this isn't, oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I, look, I yeah. think the BYU fan base is different. <laughs> I, I just think they're crazy, man. I didn't think... They're, like, wild, I'm telling you. Yeah. If you saw, like, the numbers on kslsports.com about bloody whatever their mascot is, it Cosmo the Cougar or whatever his name is? I mean, oh, we put a piece up on Cosmo. Is, it, is that his name? Yeah. Okay, Cosmo. And, like, we'll get – the whole page blows up. You know, it's like about a, about a mascot steve i mean come on yeah. like they, they, yeah i don't know if they don't have any time they hate their wife whatever i don't know what it is they have too many kids they just need a release but they like they are mad so i cut you they off eat it up they eat it up no they eat it up um but no like i i'm with you there i would love to see another scrimmage but I think that there is a benefit to doing a red mic game. I'm with you, like fully with you. I would love to see like an, another legitimate scrimmage like we saw on Saturday. I understand why. Like we 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 the the red and white game has turned into what it has now with it it almost just being a showcase of the youth. Um you know, I, I feel like it's a good opportunity for those kids to kind of get that experience, to get a game day like experience. They're going to be guys that this is probably the only game. This might be the only game that they get, you know, in front of a, a collection of fans like this. So it's a great opportunity for them. It's a great opportunity for the guys that, you know, are behind the Cam Risings and the Jalen Glovers and the. Tavion Thomases and the Brent Keithies. It's a great opportunity for them to, you know, have a little bit of a stage and to showcase where they're at in their game. So it's fun. Like, I get it. It's just uh, uh, an exhibition game. Like, that's all it is. And that's all it really needs to be. Um, but I, like you said, Tom, I would love, I would love it personally for, you know, for what I enjoy. Like, I would love to see another scrimmage, but. I get why they do it the way they do. Yeah. Well, I also think that you look back on the, the Charlie Brewer experience and the way that all unfolded. <laughs> it, it, it clearly, I mean, it just sets like an unrealistic expectation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you, you kind of, <laughs> like, when you really think about it, he kind of dug his own grave in a yeah. way. Um, and so, like, are you setting the kids up for failure or, like, it's so yeah. weird. I mean, like, there are layers to this sort of thing. Um, and once you start peeling it back, it is 
Look, I, and they don't, they don't put that much thought to it. I'm sure they're like, yeah. I don't care. All right, yeah, we'll see what happens in the fall, which is all that matters. But I don't know, Steve. It's it's funny. I um, and 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 and, and the more I think about it, honestly, and I don't think it's a it's allowed um, with the NCAA, but I think what would be really cool. What would be really cool for me is if Utah could play an exhibition game uh, against another in-state team. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, look, you're playing yeah, an exhibition game against yourself. Yeah. Just play it against and, – and just play it against somebody that you're not going to play in four months' time. You know, like it does make sense for Utah to play BYU if BYU is on the schedule because then coaches are trying to – still plays and there's gamesmanship and just don't play like Southern Utah or uh, Weaver State or Utah State, whoever's not on the, the schedule for that year. I think it would be awesome. Uh, and I think the players, I think, I'm pretty sure I could speak on behalf of like just about every player out there. They would love nothing more than to, to bash heads with, you know, a player from a another different, team. Yeah. Yeah. A I mean, different like, color jersey. Yeah. So, but I look. I, I don't think it's allowed at the minute with the NCAA. But you know, over the course of the next couple of years, I I think um, the NCAA is just gonna gonna kind of allow stuff like that because it makes more sense. But anyway, look, it's interesting, Steve. I, I do need to ask you from a recruiting standpoint what what are you looking what are you looking for? when it comes to recruitment at Utah ahead of 2022, do, do they need to add another wide receiver, do you think? For this upcoming season, yeah. Like, I do think when you look at this group, you look at this team, and a lot of what, right, so we're talking about post-spring recruiting, uh-huh. and you look at what they brought in last year. So what what did that include? So after spring ball last year, they landed Tavion Thomas out of junior college. They landed Theo Howard, Brandon McKinney, and Josh Calvert out of the transfer portal. So, you know, I, I do think that Utah would benefit from having another proven proven commodity as a receiver, right? Like I, we know what we have a. I don't want to say we know. We have a good idea of Solomon Enos, of Jalen Dixon, what they bring to the table, right? They're they're reliable. They they do a lot of good things for Utah football, and who knows? Maybe they will be able to take that next step as receivers in this offense, and you know, and and they'll they'll be able to lock down some more opportunity. But I do think, like, as a team trying to repeat as champions in the Pac-12, you know, just want to you don't just want to sit on you know you you want to keep getting better, and I just think that that's maybe the mindset that they take this off season is hey if we can add one more piece great that would be awesome um i think there's some exciting youth in in the room in makai cope and money parks just not sure that they're ready for the big stage yet like i do think they're going to contribute in games this season just not sure that they're they're ready for that big moment right when we're talking about utah versus oregon in late november or, you know, Pac-12 championship game if they get to that. Are they ready to make plays on that kind of stage? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they are. And maybe they prove capable. But I just think it makes a lot of sense, you know, for Utah. If they elect to do so, 
to look at another receiver. I also think cornerback is a position that could use a body, a guy, a player capable of being. So you remember that 2019 team, Jalen Johnson on one side, um, Javon Gidry in the slot, and then they had Josh Nurse and um, Tariq Lewis at the other cornerback spot. So they've got Fabian Marks. They've got Samaya Vaughn. JT Broughton coming back from injury. We'll see. Like, are those guys ready to be those types of players? The Tariq Lewis, the 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 Josh Nurse to the Jalen Johnson that is Clark Phillips. We'll see. So, you know, it's it should be interesting. But I do think like Utah is going to be aggressive. You know, with the spots that they'll have available to them because they realize the opportunity this year to repeat as champions. That's a pretty pretty big accomplishment in any league um and so for utah i think that they'll they'll try to be a little bit more aggressive this offseason um in the transfer portal oh that's awesome that's really cool yeah college football is strange like that isn't it you um you kind of have windows if you will yeah you know and where you need a strike um and they struck last year successfully and as i've said on a handful of times now they, they did lose some key figures um Devin Lloyd is, you know, that's a monumental loss. Um, but but you know what? They, they they also kept a lot of good guys too, like yeah. really key playmakers on on the offensive side in particular. And so strike while the iron's hot, and um, and that's exactly. exciting that you that you're as plugged in with recruiting as anybody. And um, and if you think that they're going to get after some some transfer portal guys like they did last year, I think that's um, that's obviously. Makes for an exciting summer for Utah fans in an otherwise pretty dim college football time of the year. So, um, look, he's Steve Bartle. Check him out, would you? Come on, at sbartle247 is where you can find him on Twitter. What's your IG, Steve? Is it at sbartle247? Yeah, I probably need to change that. Need to make it more personal, I think. Because that's like, that's that's more, that's a better reflection of me, the human being. Not not the recruiting guy. Don't go to my Instagram if you're looking for if you're looking for recruiting and football stuff. That's when you want to get to know me, the Steve Bartle of Steve Bartle. Like that's me. Yeah, but go I need check. to change. No, I, look, I'm 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 all I'm all for it. Um, he's a wonderful follow. We do appreciate our sponsors in Nate Wade Super. We love, 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 and appreciate them more than words can express. We will be back next week recapping spring ball, talking about what's ahead in the summertime, and of course the upcoming. 2022 season. Steve, if I don't see you up at Utah football uh, or up at Rice-Eccles, I should say, rather, this Saturday, enjoy the game, my friend. Try and uh, keep out of that rain. You'll be in a, a covered press box, which is yes, uh, I will. Which is nice. Um, and to all the fans out there, have fun, cheer loud, and uh, scream away because the young kids, they appreciate it. I hope you guys I uh, I hope you guys understand that. They really do. They get up for this game and for good, good reasons. So with all that said, we'll say so long, goodbye, and until next week, say hi to your mum for me. friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. 
it was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.